0: Welcome to Feeding the Flock and our expositions through the book of Ephesians. We are currently in chapter 4 at verse 25. Hi, I'm Glendal Tony. I'm glad you joined me today for this Bible study. Let's begin reading at verse 25 of chapter 4 of the book of Ephesians, where Paul writes this. Therefore, Laying aside falsehood, speak truth each one of you with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry, and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. And do not give the devil an opportunity. He who steals must steal no longer. But rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good so that he will have something to share with one who has need. Let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, Along with all malice, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. So then, we find ourselves at the end of chapter four. Of course, that uh, means we we are not at the end of the book yet. Uh, In fact, this middle section of our life in the world goes all the way from chapter 4, verse 1, all the way through chapter 6, verse 9, and it includes uh, our walk, that is, our worthy walk in verses 1 through 16, and then uh, our different walk, verses 17 through 32, which is where we are in this particular episode, uh, in the last part of that. Then uh, then there is the love, loving walk, that is, in um, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 through 14. Then in the middle of chapter 5, talks about the wise walk, which takes us then all the way through verse 9 of chapter 6, yeah, and the wise walk. So in chapter 4, he is concluding this paragraph about our, um, our walk in relation to others. Um, he already talked about our walk in relation to ourselves, especially our old selves, and now uh, he talks about uh, this relationship we have to each other, that is, those within the body of Christ, but but may even, even involve other relationships uh, uh, outside of the uh, gathering of uh, believers. And so uh, that's our relationship to others. And Notice that it begins then, therefore, laying aside falsehood, and that means that uh, this is primarily on Paul's heart right now, is the fact that we learn how to speak the truth, and um, that's what he is concluding here about our new life in Christ. Our new walk, our new conduct should first of all reflect the truth. It should be a part of uh. Uh, how we have separated ourselves from our old selves and from our old lifestyle. It should reflect the truth. Now, um, just for uh, the sake of connection, you might want to go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, where Paul talked about the fact that we are saved by grace. And that is, uh, uh, we have been saved by grace, for by grace you have been saved. This is verse 8 of chapter 2 of Ephesians. Uh, Through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. So this uh, paragraph should not be listed, or that is lifted out of its context, uh, that uh, Paul is not saying that that we get saved by doing these various things in this uh, paragraph here, but rather... Uh, look back again at uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, which is, I uh, just now read that, but look at it as well in verse 10 of uh, chapter 2 of Ephesians, where Paul says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. So these are a part of the good works we should be walking in. And that's what he's getting at here. These are not the things that earn us salvation. We receive salvation because it's a free gift. But these are the things that reflect our new life in Christ. And um, one of those uh, primarily is um, the idea that we Get away from speaking falsehood. We instead should speak truth, uh, each one with his neighbor. And this is a quotation, by the way, from "From uh, Zechariah chapter 8 and verse 16, "We should learn how to speak truth to one another." And uh, that means that uh, we, we're not interested in bragging, we're not interested in, in exaggeration anymore or trying to, to deceive others about who we are or who we were. Uh, everything is out there on the table already. We have a past, but that past is a part of what Jesus has died to pay for and that we have been redeemed from that past. And uh, we uh, we are no longer uh, uh, carry around the guilt, nor do we carry around the embarrassment. Uh, we are members of one another, it says in um uh, In verse uh, 25 and uh, that is our extra motivation that means we have a responsibility toward one another not to lie to each other not to uh, leave out part of the truth even Uh, but it it is the idea that we are related to each other and we carry each other through our walk in Christ we are members of each other That's what uh, being a part of a church is really all about. It's not about just sharing the pews or sharing the auditorium or sharing the, uh, uh, the message and singing along with the worship. This has to do with the fact that we belong into Christ and we belong to each other as a result of being in Christ because that is our new relationship. Uh, You see, what's uh, interesting is one of the first things that was a part of the physical discipline of those gathered in the name of Christ uh, was um, in Acts chapter 5 has to do with lying. It has to do with deception, and uh, that had to do with Ananias and Sapphira. In fact, uh, Peter uh, confronted Ananias by saying, why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit and to keep back? Some of the price of the land, and uh, again he says, "Why is it that you have agreed together to put the uh the spirit of the Lord to the test, And the test was trying to deceive the holy Spirit and uh by also trying to deceive others in that congregation by pretending as if they were giving all of the proceeds from their sale to this common uh uh, purse, you might say, and instead they weren't giving it all, they were keeping back part of it, and uh, they were never uh, instructed to give it all to begin with, but some around them were giving their all, and uh, so they uh, they sold some of their property and gave gave part of the proceeds from that sale, but they gave the impression to the congregation they were giving it all. So that in itself was an action not of selfishness, uh, well, it was of selfishness, but uh, not uh, not directly of selfishness, but of, of deception. That was the point that they were being called on the carpet for, and that was the disciplinary action that was taken, was because of deception, because of lies, and specifically lies about their giving, about their generosity. And so uh, that is part of what being a part of the body of Christ, what we do in individual lives affect the body of Christ. They affect the rest of the congregation and we are accustomed to being so independent that uh, it's nobody else's business. Well, in fact, when we are uh, walking in Christ, we are walking in Christ with others who are doing the same. So therefore Our entire reputation is at stake when we ourselves as individuals are walking in Christ. So that gives us an extra responsibility, you see, and that's what's going on here. We're members of one another, and so he continues on with these instructions, be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger, and so he quotes again from the old covenant, and that Happens to be from Psalm uh, chapter 4, verse 4. And uh, so he says, Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down in your anger. This is a part of his uh, prescription, you might say, for perhaps the habit of being angry, of being uh, easily ticked off. And uh, that means we get rid of it soon. It doesn't necessarily mean we. We try to tamp it down, uh, one way or the other. Now we don't want to do anything physically harmful to somebody else or say something, uh, insulting to someone else that comes up later, but rather, uh, we, uh, we are honest with ourselves about our anger, but we deal with it. And that means in this case, the prescription means you deal with it before it gets dark. That means before you go to bed at night, this would be something you take care of. And, um, and he says, uh, so that's part of the prescription um, so that uh, we, we are uh, uh, peaceful when we go to bed and when we uh, get ready uh, to, to sleep at night, uh, we have our consciences clear of uh, this kind of thing. And so it says, and do not give the devil an opportunity, because if you allow this to fester, the devil will take advantage so that somewhere, somehow, you might uh, start uh, getting bitter, or maybe you might plan a revenge, or have revengeful things to say, or revengeful actions to take upon someone who offended you, or to uh, to take some, uh, something against uh, someone else, who has uh, uh, violated your expectations or violated your personal um, uh, your personal rights? And so that means uh, don't give the devil an opportunity. Don't let him in that far. Uh, be honest with yourself. With yourselves. Be honest with God. And don't try to hide your anger, but deal with it in such a fashion that you confess those sins to God. Those things of those uh, sins of holding on to your own. Uh, personal rights or or your expectations of others and you surrender them to god and and make sure that uh that uh this is cleared up uh and so he says in verse 28 he who steals must steal no longer again this is a prescription of how to deal with thievery and uh in this case it might have to do with with um uh, pilfering at work or uh, some other thing uh, it might have to do with shoplifting what we might call it uh, today in fact the Greek term is the is the word uh, klepton that means uh, uh, they grab things with their hands and this doesn't seem to refer to uh, professional thieves but it does refer to someone who may have made it a habit of their life uh, that uh, they can't pass by something they want without sticking it in their pocket even though they haven't paid for it. And it isn't theirs. It belongs to someone else. So um, that means that uh, you stop stealing, but rather he must labor. That means uh, part of the prescription of the temptation of stealing or uh, pilfering, that means getting a job. And we'll continue on with Paul's prescription about stealing and thievery uh, right after this brief uh, musical interlude. come back and so we are in the middle of verse uh, 28 about uh, he who steal must steal no longer but rather he must labor that means put your hands to work and that's what he says in the next phrase performing with his own hands what is good so you should uh, focus on re uh, what you do with your hands re uh, refocusing that that the the very Things that may have caused you to steal something, use those hands to do something that might Uh, involve labor and might actually involve getting paid for that labor uh, so that you can earn the money to buy the things that you want. And that's what he's getting at. That's part of the prescription of this habit of thievery and this habit perhaps of of shoplifting. And uh, that's part of the uh, idea of earning money in order to buy your own stuff. And uh, that's what he is talking about. Uh, rather, he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with one who has need. So that this uh, has to do with work and getting a job, but it also has to do with with um, earning the uh, the wages so that you have something of your own. You know the value now of what it means to work to get paid to have your own stuff and then you know then he doesn't stop with that prescription it's not just a matter of owning your own stuff it or of getting money earned but it is all about earning money so that you can give that's part of the next uh, phrase that has to do with this prescription. If you want to be free from the habit of thievery, then you need to fulfill your entire prescription here. And that uh, that involves not only getting a job, that involves not only having something of your own, but you share what you own with someone else who has need. Uh, notice that uh, the New Testament is not shy about uh, earning your own keep, so to speak, that's what Paul did in First Thessalonians chapter 4. He says, uh, uh, he says to attend to your own business and work with your hands. In Second Thessalonians chapter 3, he talks about uh, uh, those who are not willing to work. Then he uh, is not to eat either. For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life, doing no work at all. And so he tells people they should get a job. You can't just go around um, uh, mooching off of God's people. And uh, so he says you should be earning your own keep. In fact, in 1 Timothy chapter 5 and verse 8, it gets a little more pointed and a little more severe. And he says, but if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever so paul puts this on the uh, on the edge of of your own confession of faith here that if you fail uh, if you ignore your responsibilities to provide what is necessary to support your own self as well as your own Family and those that, that are your responsibility, then uh, then you are basically denying the faith if you don't do that. So that's a those are pretty strong words. In First Corinthians chapter four, verse twelve, Paul puts himself as an example. He says, "For and we toil, working with our hands." Uh, When we are reviled, we bless. When we are persecuted, we endure. So this is part of what Paul's character was all about when he's a part of a congregation, is to work with his own hands to supply his own needs. In fact, in Acts chapter 20, it says, you yourselves know, this is verse 34 of Acts 20. It says, you yourselves know that these hands ministered to my own needs and to the men who were with me. In everything, I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. So if you want the blessing and the full victory over Uh, a habit of thievery, then you earn your own way, and then you earn your own way to such a degree you give to others so that they are provided by you, and um, you make sure that uh, someone else has their needs provided. Perhaps by giving generously to someone else, you have uh, erased a motivation that could have made them into a thief, and uh, you've provided a uh, Um, the wherewithal so that they can uh, go on with life without themselves um, repeating thievery or stealing something from someone else so that they will, uh, so that he will have something to share with one who has need and he continues on in verse 29 uh, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth so so not only is it has to do with financial things and uh and the habit of stealing but now it has to do with your words you use the way you use your tongue the language you use the w- the terminologies that come out of your mouth it says let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth but uh, only such a word as is good for edification according to the need of the moment so that you become a giver of words a giver of encouragement rather than a than uh, someone who uses words that that suck the life out of the uh, out of uh, the uh, interaction or out of the uh, out of those around you by using vulgarity or uh, using uh, cursing, or uh, using foul language, uh, rotten language is uh, is the uh, uh, literal translation there, and um, and so you use the kind of language that will build other people up around you uh, to give them life. Uh, later on in chapter five, verse four, he says, "There be no filthiness and silly talk and." A, or coarse jesting, and that means uh, dirty jokes, don't tell that kind of thing in the presence of others. And that's what he's talking about here. Um, And only the kind of words for edification, for building up others according to the need of the moment uh, so that it will give grace to those who hear. So your words should be a form of giving. Uh perhaps you've never thought of it that way, but the language you use, the style of uh of words in which you frame your your uh interaction with others, uh that is a matter of of building them up. You're giving them grace uh by uh by giving them something uh, nice to listen to and uh, to communicate with words that actually do communicate instead of just emotionally lambasting the situation with vulgarity. And he says, verse uh, 30, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed. So there is a responsibility not only to uh the way you uh you treat your money and you treat your job uh but uh socially but there's uh, there's also a way in which you treat the the words that you speak around other people and then there is the way you uh are aware of the fact that the holy spirit of god now dwells within you and because he is now present in you then you have a responsibility toward Him. He is not just an energy. He is not just a force or uh, some sort of an atmosphere you might uh, talk about uh, when you're uh, at church, for instance. Uh, There was a nice spirit in this place uh, kind of thing, but this is a person. He is the third person of the triune God, and he dwells within us, and in such a way as uh, in verse uh, verse 13 and 14 of of chapter 1, Paul says, We were sealed in Christ with the Holy Spirit who is, verse 14, who was given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession so that the Holy Spirit is our pledge. He is our seal. And so he doesn't deny the seal. He says, look, he's not threatening that the seal is going to leave. He is saying, you don't want to grieve him. Why would you do something that would cause the Holy Spirit to be grieved because he's dwelling in you, he's doing his part. Uh, why do you want to insult him? And so it says, sealed for the day of redemption. Uh, and of course, our atonement, our uh, the redemptive price, you might say, the ransom penalty uh, has already been paid because of Jesus's death on the cross but we are awaiting the redemption of our bodies the redemption and the ransom of the earth itself and uh, the redemption of everything else that has to do with with the fallen creation is been has been redeemed through the price that Jesus has paid on the cross but he's not claimed that redemption upon the things that he now has purchased and that's the very thing that includes our own physical bodies will one day experience the resurrection. And by experiencing the resurrection, then that is the redemption price being exercised over the claim of our own bodies. And that's what Jesus is going to do one day. And so that's what the Holy Spirit is is there to do is to seal us for that future redemption of our bodies. When we see him, we will be like him. And uh, so we shouldn't be insulting the agent that Jesus has put in charge of us. We should be cooperating with him because he has our best interests in mind. So therefore, in verse 31, he kind of concludes with this little list of all of these um. These, uh, these, these, these attitudes—you might say—that may have caused us uh, to uh, to speak falsely. It may have caused us to become a uh, a thief. Uh, it may have caused us to. Uh, To 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 use vulgarity in our in our normal everyday language, and and so now we we are to uh, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you, along with all malice. We should put away all of these attitudes. We we are not living a life to get even. We are living a life to build up our brothers and sisters in Christ, to build up our family, to support ourselves, and to support one another with our words as well as our money, and so that we are to build one another up and uh, to be walking with Christ. Therefore, we should exhibit these kinds of qualities. In verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. We should be reflecting the very things that brought us and drew us to Christ. We should be reflecting that forgiveness so that other people around us know that we have been forgiven because we know how to forgive them, even though they have may have, uh, offended us. They may have wronged us. We don't duplicate the wrong. We give forgiveness. That doesn't mean we give pardon. We don't have the authority to pardon someone else's sin, but we can forgive their offense against us. We can, uh, we can surrender our emotional attachment to that offense and uh, surrender that emotion back to god so that god can take care of the offense himself he can take vengeance himself if it need be uh, th- that uh, that that be the case but uh, we are to exhibit the forgiveness that god has given to us that is our purpose on earth that should definitely be one of our purposes among the gathering of believers in a local uh, local church it's, it says in colossians chapter 3 verse 13 it says bearing with one another and forgiving each other whoever has a complaint against anyone just as the lord forgave you so also should you So he becomes our standard, he becomes our motivation, he becomes our focus, so that his forgiveness becomes our forgiveness translated to those who offend us. We have offended God, he forgave us through providing the complete penalty for our sins. He's forgiven us by giving, giving us, by grace, the Holy Spirit to live within us. Therefore, we should forgive others and live with that freedom and with that power and with that clarity and with that peace. Dear Father, thank you for the words that give us the encouragement to be the people you want us to be because we cannot do this on our own. We cannot uh, just by transforming our behavior become more Christ-like or by modifying our our actions through some sort of training. It has to do with you filling us to equip us to be the people you want us to be by the power of the Holy Spirit. And may we do nothing that would grieve his work, that would cause him to be discouraged in his work of bringing us into complete consistency with Christ. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed our presentation today. This is Glendale Toney. Join us again for the next episode of Feeding the Flock.